God is so good. Hallelujah. Amen. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. Amen. This is one of those okay when messages, Elder Hoskins. This is one of those okay when messages. You had one of those where you're like, okay when? <laughs> okay when? You get this, you get that, it doesn't make sense, and you're okay when? And then finally. Amen. Okay. First Kings chapter 17. Go with me to verse 9. Verse 9, it says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a, wit a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me and afterward." You may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'd just like to use as a thought, transitioning from a consumer to a producer. Amen. Transitioning from a consumer to a producer. You may be seated. Amen. I'm going to pray with me this morning. I'm approaching this from a little different vein, from probably from what you've been accustomed to hearing. But I believe that it is relevant for us, uh, it's relevant, relevant for the body. Especially since the Lord has. And if it's acting like that, I know it's relevant. Amen. Especially since the Lord has been dealing with us about being one. Uh, you know, uh, Bishop talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, the Tower of Babel. And he talked about the early church. In Acts chapter uh, 4, I believe. And one common thread between those two accounts, uh, between the Tower of Babel account and the early church account, was there the existence of a mindset to work together. But to not only work together, but to produce something together. In Genesis chapter 11, the people came together and said, Let us make bricks and mortar that we may build a city and a tower whose top reaches heaven. In verse, chapter, in, in verse 6 of that same chapter, verse, uh, chapter 11, God says that they are one people and they all have the same language. Somebody say one people. Same language. 
They were one people and had the same language. He continues to say that because of this, nothing that they purpose to do shall be impossible for them. The account of the early church in Acts 4 talks about the congregation who believed being of one who believed and they were of one heart and one soul. The Bible goes on to say that everything was common to them. Somebody say common. Everything was common to them and there was not a needy person among them. In other words, everybody had their needs met. Now, when you look at those two accounts and then you compare it to society today, you see you see tremendous differences. Amen. In the in the Tower of Babel, the Bible says that they all spoke the same language. Amen. How many of us in here speak the same speak English? Amen. Is any does anybody in here not speak English? And if if you don't, you can't understand what I'm asking right now. So you're just as confused as everybody. You know, you're just as confused anyway. So it really doesn't matter. But we all in here speak what? We speak one language, right? The Bible says that, that, that they all spoke one language, but not it wasn't the fact that they all spoke the same language. It was the fact that they had the same mindset. They all had bought into the same idea, so much so that they came together and said, hey, let's make bricks and let's make mortar. Let's build a city and a tower that reaches up to heaven. God sees what they're doing and says, if, if they are able to come up and if they are able to be on one accord and determined to do this, nothing that they attempt shall be impossible for them. Now, if we were able to come together and we all speak the same language and we all are on one accord and have the same mindset, is there anything that would be impossible for us? No. And I believe that this, I believe that the, the, the difference in languages is a trick that the enemy still uses today uses it against us because he understands it's not the actual, it's not the how you pronounce the words that determines whether or not you're speaking a different language. It's your thought process, your thought pattern that determines whether or not you are speaking a different language. And some of the things that hinder, hinder the body today is the fact that when the words come out, your words sound like my words and my words sound like your words, but the language that I might be speaking can be different from the language that you're speaking. Are you following me? We have, we have to understand that if we were to come together and say, hey, let's build a tower, if we were building bricks and mortar, how many of us in here today would have a mind to build our own house first? Don't answer that. <laughs> if we decided to, to Tabernacle Praise is going to start a brick factory. We're going we're gonna to build bricks for the body. And we're going we're gonna to have mortar that's going to be at, all of this will be at, at the, the disposal of the body. I guarantee you, some of us are going to run out to see an architect because we've got a dream house that we want built. Is that not true? I mean, look at the early church in Acts, Acts chapter 4, chapter 5. When they went out, the Bible says that they believed they were of one heart. What did they do? They went out and sold all their possessions. Yeah, okay. All right. 
How many of us are going to sell all that we have? No, because society has taught us. Society has taught. For, for one, they, things were very different in that day. Things were very different. And a part of their selling all that they had and laying them at the apostles' feet was that there, there was the, the form of government was essentially the church for them in that time. So that was essentially not only were they yielding to Christ, but they were also yielding to their form of government because the apostles led them. Amen. And, I mean, they followed the laws of the land, but as believers, their government was the apostles. Their leaders were the apostles. Now, nobody's going to ask you to go out and sell everything, everything that you have. The point I'm trying to make is if you look at society today, this society today is largely consumer-based. Is largely consumer-based. Even when you consider the economic infrastructure of this country, everything is centered on providing a service to those who consume. If you go back 25, 30 years ago, it was all about manufacturing, wasn't it? What did you do when you finished school? You went and got a job, and most people went and got jobs in the local plant, the local mill that was open, the local industry that was around. Amen? Now, every, now it's not about local interest, industry, it's all about call centers. And it's all about call centers that provide a service to people who consume things. I don't like call centers. I told y'all about my call center experience, didn't I? That I took when, when my bank got messed up, my account got messed up. I told you about that. I, I don't like call centers. I'd much rather just, just do it over, oh, just, you know, send a check or or I don't want to talk to nobody. That's why I don't answer my house phone, because it's nothing but 1-800 numbers. So if you call me, don't call my house phone. You need to reach me, you call my cell phone or my wife's cell phone, because I don't like talking to call centers, because you know what? This, because they know that this is such a consumer-based society, and the thing about a consumer-based society, if people are persistent enough, they will cause you to buy something or agree to something that you don't want to agree with or you don't want to buy. Let somebody call you and not get you off the phone because you, you don't want to be rude and hang up. Sometimes you have to. But if the right one catches you with the right thing, you will agree to something or do something that you know you have no business doing. And then all of this, and then you consider that there are basic things that people used to do that there's a generation that's coming up has entirely no idea how to do. And when you consider, when you consider the fact that what this, this generation coming up is, is going to be an even greater consumer than our generation. I mean, they even, have, they even have scientists who are studying now when, when we are going to extinguish all of the, all of the Earth's resources because we are so consumer-based. The consumer mentality, 
carries along with the underlying tones of the enemy's attempt to steal from us. The more I get, the more I want to spend. The Bible said, and see, we talk about that scripture, the thief comes for what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, we, we can identify when he's killing, right? We can identify when he tries to destroy. But sometimes when he's stealing, we don't really get the full context of what that means and what he's doing. Because if you have, if you have a propensity to spend more than you make, the enemy is stealing from you. If you have a propensity to spend more than you make, the enemy is stealing from you. The Bible says that God has given us power to get what? Well, we even talk about the wealth of the wicked is laid up for whom? Who's adjusting here? And we're waiting on the wealth of the wicked. We're waiting on that wealth transfer, aren't we? So what are you going to do with that wealth transfer when it happens? If you can't save money now, what makes you think when that wealth transfer happens, you are going to be a good steward over, that, over, over all of that money? And the, th and the thing is that, that is, that is stewardship, but beyond that, that is understanding that that's the trick of the enemy. To get, you to, to get you to spend. How many of you like to shop? <laughs> I'm close my eyes. I'm not looking at nobody. <laughs> okay. Okay, how many of you like to shop? Okay, those of you that like to shop, you know, you, you like to shop, but, but you, you understand, have you ever gone shopping and said, I need one thing? Now, we're not going to name businesses in here, Sister Smalls. That's, I personally, I, there's nothing wrong with Walmart. I personally like Walmart. You know, especially every two weeks. I love them. But you go in to buy something, right? You go in to buy something, and you say, I'm just going in to get one thing. And then you, you come out, and you got a whole buggy full. of stuff that you did, did not intend. Now, I am not a shopper. I don't like shopping. I don't like shopping. I, you won't ever call Elder Stowe, Elder Stowe, what you doing? I'm shopping. <laughs> no, uh-uh. You best know I'm probably handcuffed. <laughs> I don't even like taking my children to the store. Because my children are so, my children are my, my are, are the one shopping vice that gets me. Because we go into the store, Daddy, can I get, no. Well, no, no, well, all right. Because they know how to get you. They ask you and ask you, and, 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 and they, keep, they keep at it, and then finally they touch that spot, and before you know it, you're spending money. But I'm the type of person, when I go in to get groceries, y'all, I went to a store one time, and we, I was approaching a cash register, but I, already, I had already done some little figuring in my head and seeing what I knew what was coming. And my face had changed, Trevor. And the girl, the cashier looked at me and said, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to change your face if you're going to come through my line. 
I knew what she was talking about because I got the ugly face real quick because I knew I was about to spend more money than I wanted to spend. But, but so you don't ever have to worry about. And, and but the, the other the other side the other side of that is, listen. It does not matter how much money you make. The Bible says if you purpose in your heart to be a sower, huh? Then the Bible says that God provides seed for the sower. Now, and and here here here's the thing. Because it's all about living within our means and not and being a producer more so than a consumer. Because what a consumer does is is a, a consumer is one who who uses commodities or services, but the definition of consume is to destroy or expend by use, to use up, to eat or drink up, devour decomposition, to spend wastefully, to absorb, to engross. That's the definition of consume. And the thing is, when you, when it does not matter how much money you make. The Bible says that God provides seed for the sower. Now, this is one thing that I purposed last year. I, I looked at how much money I made and how much I had. I said, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I spend too much. I said, this next year, I'm purposing. That whatever God places in my spirit to sow, I can do it and still sleep good. I can do it and not get the ugly face. Because the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So, so, so this, is, this is what I, what I looked at. I, look, I looked at how much money I made and how much I had and how much I'm spending. I said, I got to go down and not up. The thing is, we spend our time looking to make more money when we need to concentrate on spending less money so that we have money in our pocket to sow that whatever God purposes in our heart to sow, we can sow and not think twice about it. We talked about the, the founding day seed. I, I don't know anybody's situation in here but my own. But when it came down to when we knew how much the founding day seed Everybody should have been able to write the check for that seed when that day came. I don't know your situation. I don't know how much money you make. I don't know where you live. I don't know how much your bills are. But when you purpose to be a producer and not a consumer, you manage things on both ends. And the thing is, the enemy has us out here spending our money on frivolous things so that when it's time for us to sow, he knows we won't have it. What did Bishop say in service of the Go ahead and put it aside now because if you don't, you'll spend it. Why would you spend it? Because we're consumers. There's a big difference between a consumer and a producer. A consumer is at the mercy of the goods within their reach. A producer is at the mercy of the resources within his reach. Are you following me? That's real important. 
A consumer is at the mercy of the goods within their reach. In other words, a consumer knows they can't spend what they don't have. And sometimes a consumer counts what they have as whatever limit it is on their card. I mean, I was watching the news, I was walking through the break room and news, and it was talking about, did any of you see that report about that, she was a, I think they called a comptroller, comptroller, in a little town. And they said this was a little town. And I have, for the life of me, cannot figure out how she was able to do this. But she embezzled over $30 million from a little town. Was it Salisbury? The name is the name of it started with a D. I want to say it was Dixon or something. I can't remember. <clears throat> she stole over thirty million dollars from the town. Now this wasn't a city. I thought it was in Texas, but I'm not sure. It was somewhere. It was on the news. This, oh no, this wasn't a black woman. And she raised horses. She raised champion horses. So everybody thought that because she raised horses, that's where she had this money. But y'all, they flashed across the screen that this woman had amassed $2.5 million in credit card debt. I about fainted. <laughs> I said, who in the world gave you that much credit? I wish I would. Call Capital One and say, hey, I need you to increase my limit. Would you like it increased to oh, 1.5 is good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But she had amassed $2.5 million in credit card debt. And all of this to maintain the lifestyle that she had established based on the money that she had at her access. Now, that she is no different from a lot of us because there's a lifestyle that we have established that's based on the amount of money that we have. And what we do, we work to maintain the lifestyle that we've established with the money that we have at our, at our disposal. And sometimes that means more going out than there is coming in. But when you are a consumer, you're at the mercy of the goods within your reach. I, can, I, don't, I don't have $1.5 million at my disposal right now. I'm not even going to say I ever will because that's not something that I'm shooting for. But what a consumer is one who I know how much money I do have at my access, at, 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 how much money I can access right now, and a consumer says, I, I have as much power as, as I have available to me to spend. I, all of us in here could go out right now today and spend up every dime that we have. Because we could all name in our head about five or ten things that we would love to go buy. And some of us might even say that we need them right now. Huh? But you need to exercise sound judgment, exercise wisdom, and say, you know what, I don't need to do that right now. Now, but a producer, a consumer is at the mercy of the goods within their reach. 
a producer is at, is at the mercy of the resources within his reach. In other words, the difference between a consumer and a producer, a consumer uses, a producer produces. A producer make, causes things. He, a producer makes things that, that other people are able to take advantage of, that other people are able to use. So I would much rather be at the mercy of my resources than the mercy of my goods. Because when I'm at the mercy of my resources, I understand who's in control of the resources. God is in control of the resources, isn't he? Now, is God in control of the goods that I have at my disposal? Huh? Is God in control? Is God in control of your bank account? Huh? <laughs> wait a Let's, wait a minute. Is God in control of your bank account? <coughs> Is God in control of your wallet? No. Who's in control of your bank account? Who's in control of your wallet? You are, right? Because you're driving down the road. <coughs> and you know what's in your account. You know what you need to spend and what you don't need to spend. But you see that sign that says Taco Bell. And you you've been seeing you've been seeing that that Dorito commercial all week that that new Dorito taco have y'all seen that you've been seeing that Dorito taco commercial all week you say you know what I got to try that so here you go and they got a five dollar box that you can give them but and see the thing is now you can exercise wisdom and you say you know what God you're in control of my wallet God I give this to you. This is yours. Now, do you think God will say you need to turn in Taco Bell real quick and get you one in $5 boxes and take it on home? No, God ain't going to tell you to do that. Not when you have food in your house at home. Huh? Come on now. The other side of that is you don't know what kind of preservatives and additives they're putting in that food in those fast food restaurants. And listen, listen, you... You need to go home and cook. Come on now. The enemy uses a consumer's mentality to keep us from reaching our fullness in the will of God. The enemy uses a consumer's mentality to keep us from reaching our fullness in the will of God. Think about Think about how necessary it would have been for God to confuse their language if everyone was concerned about building their own house first with the Tower of Babel. He wouldn't have had to, would he? No. A consumer's mentality is always searching for the next thing to get before they have gotten the thing they're in line to get. Have y'all ever been in line buying something? And said, now after I get this, I'm gonna get this right here. Huh? That's that's a consumer's mentality says you're already thinking about the next thing for you to get before you before you got paid for the one that you got. <laughs> what time is it? Let me hurry up. Okay, listen to this. Consider this. God said if we're faithful over a few things, he'll make us ruler over many. 
There is no need for me to wait on God to do something that he has already empowered me with or empowered me to do. Why am I sitting there waiting on God to do something when God has already given me the power to do what it is I, I, I'm asking him for, I'm waiting on? Because here's the thing. If you say, God, I want to be a sower. God, I'm purposing to be a sower. And then, listen, I don't care if you make my first job, I think I made $3.65 an hour. I was Mr. Big Stuff. You couldn't tell me nothing. Why? Because I was about 10, 15 cents over minimum wage. Elder Hoskins, I thought I was doing something. I was big time. I was big time. Spraying off produce at Winn-Dixie. The new Winn-Dixie at that. <laughs> That's Bilo, bruh. See? I'm talking Winn-Dixie. He's talking Bilo. I don't know. But listen. <laughs> but see, he, he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Eve, I, it, it does not matter how much make. What matters is what you do with how much you make. And, and the thing is, how do you create wealth for yourself? You create wealth for yourself on the back end, not the front end. You create, you create wealth for the Bible. God said he has given us power to get wealth. Let me give you, the, uh, uh, let me give you a, some advice on that power, on tapping into the, that power to get wealth. When you begin to manage what it is he's providing you with, it should create wealth for you that should put you in a position where you can be a sower to increase what comes in on the front end. Stop waiting for increase on the front end so that you can do all of this, manage what you have on the back to create wealth for you so that you can begin to sow to see God move at his word. Make sense? Listen to this. In your season of drought, pay attention to what's around you. Find out where the commandment of the Lord is in your life. And we'll look at this real quick. In our text today, the Bible says God, God sends Elijah to Zarephath. In chapter 17, verse 9, God says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, what did God tell Elijah? He said, I have commanded. Okay, what is a commandment? A commandment is an order, right? A commandment is an order, right? God says, Elijah, I have commanded a woman to provide for you. So Elijah's on his way to Zarephath, and he sees a widow woman from afar. She's gathering sticks so she can build a fire to make her last meal. Elijah comes to her and says, hey, can you get me a drink of water? Notice she does not peer at him or stare at him and say, oh, you must be Elijah. You must be the one that God has commanded me to provide for you. She didn't say that, did she? Now, she goes and gives him a drink of water. Now, Elijah 
Okay, Elder Hoskins, I tell you, hey, I need you to go down here, and I got somebody that's going to be waiting on you. They're going to take care of you. And you get down there, and they look at you like, who are you? You go, <laughs> because listen, God has told Elijah there's a woman there that's going to take care of you. She's going to provide for you. Elijah asked her to go get him a drink of water. She go, and he said, oh, on your way back, bring my bread. Yeah. Bring my bread, because God told me that somebody was going to pray. Didn't God tell him, I commanded a woman to provide for you? It's a done deal. God said it, right? I'm not, Elijah's not looking for the bread or the water. He's looking for the woman. Because if he finds the woman, he knows the bread and the water's going to come with it. Right? Why? Because God commanded. So Elijah says, oh, Bring me some bread while you're at it. What'd you say? <laughs> Bring you some what? Some bread. I ain't, I bring some water, but I ain't got no bread. I ain't got no bread. All I got, listen to me, all I got is this little bowl of flour and a little bit of oil. Not only that, but we in a season of drought. All the restaurants are closed. Whatever you eat, you got on your own. And you're asking me to to, to bring you some bread? Now listen, put yourself back in Elijah's shoes. Hold on, wait a minute. God said he commanded that a woman was going to provide for me. But all I've seen is this woman who's willing to go get me a, a, a glass of water, but all she has is a little bowl of flour and, and some oil. That doesn't make sense to me. But what does make sense to me is God's word. That's what does make sense to me. So Elijah says to her, go and make me a cake first. Bring it to me. Then go back and make you and your son a cake. And it, you know what? I'm not even going to paraphrase it. I'm going to read it. Then Elijah says, do not fear, go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake first and bring it out to me and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Now in chapter 9, God says, to Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath because a widow woman, I have commanded a widow woman to provide for you. Elijah sees the woman. He says, go get me some water and bring me some bread. She does not have any bread. But Elijah understood in verse 9 that the Lord had said he had commanded the woman 
to provide for him. So what does Elijah begin to tell her? He says, do not fear. He says, go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake first. Bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Verse 9, God said, I have commanded a woman to provide for you. Verse 13, Elijah said, do not fear. Go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake first. Verse 9, God said, I have commanded a woman to provide for you. Verse 13, Elijah said, in between verse 9 and verse 13, the woman had no idea that God had commanded that she was going to provide for Elijah. In verse 9, God said, I have commanded a woman to provide for you. When did God's commandment go forth? When Elijah said to the woman, Do not fear, go do as you have said, but make me a cake first. Let me break this down for you. In your situation, the Lord has commanded some things to take place in your life. How many of you believe that the Lord has commanded some things to take place in your life? Even so much so that God will send you into places that are unfamiliar. God will send you into places that are strange. God will send you into places where everybody else has less than you have, but the Lord has commanded, huh, that the Lord has commanded a blessing for you. Now, he told Elijah he had commanded a woman to provide for him. And the problem for us is we expect everything to be easy. If God commanded somebody to do it, they need to come knock on my door and say, hello, yeah, this is the blessing that God commanded. I'm here for you. You ready? But it's not that easy because God told him, listen, when, a lot, when, 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 when God said he commanded, the first time Elijah saw that woman and he looked at the woman and he said, bring me a cake first. And she said, I've only got this little bowl of flour. Why do you suppose Elijah didn't say this must not be the one? Huh? Why do you suppose Elijah did not say Maybe there's another widow woman that I'm supposed to be looking for. You've got to understand that Elijah knew something about God that sometimes we miss out on. 
when God told Elijah that he had commanded the woman to take care of him, he meant that when Elijah got there, that Elijah was going to speak a word that was going to line up with the commandment that God had gave that was going to cause Elijah to be provided for. Why are you busy waiting on God to do something that he's waiting on you to do? But more importantly, more importantly, why are you seeing something? Why is something standing before you that God has commanded to take care of you but you, to bless you, but you can't see that that's the commandment of the Lord. And all it takes is for you to open your mouth and speak what God has spoken in your spirit with a confidence in knowing that everything is going to be okay. I mean, think about it. How many, let's be, let's be honest. If God sent us down there and said, there's a woman that's going to take care of you. She's going she's to provide for you. And, and you knew that people made cakes and, and you know, that, that's what it was. You, you go down there and what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody with a cake, Right? Huh? I might even be looking for a bakery because I want a variety. You know, I, I'm one of God's high-maintenance children. <laughs> you know some of them. Huh? But, 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 but do, do you see what I'm saying? You're looking, you're looking for somebody that's got, that's got what it is God told you. But, and then not only that, even beyond that, I would be looking for somebody that had a flower shop. Huh? I would be look I would not would I be looking for somebody who only had a little bit? Huh? It doesn't make sense, does it? Who only had a little bit. But you've got to understand this is what Elijah understood. He understood the power of the God that he served, and he understood how God would honor that word that went forth when he spoke it. God did not even tell Elijah. God didn't say, Elijah, this is what I want you to tell her, that if she makes you a cake first and then makes her a cake and her son a cake, that as long as she needs a cake, there's going to be enough stuff for a cake because that's not going to make sense. She's only got a little bit now, and she, if you use a little bit now, then soon you're going to have what? None. But Elijah understood the power of God and the power of that word. And he knew that God could cause flour to, to, to be there even when it shouldn't have been there. Because God can cause things to be in your life even when they're not supposed to be in your life. If you would just open up your mouth and speak that word according to his word. We need to stop walking around here having nothing because we won't speak. Not ask, speak. 
Bible says you have not because you ask not, but you also have not because you speak not. Sometimes you're not going to give your children what they ask you for when you know all they got to do is speak it. The next thing, you got to have a willingness to put others first, regardless of your current position. This woman just had a little bit. She's gone to make her last meal and die. That's her plan, because there's a drought in the land. Ain't nothing growing. But Elijah looks at her and says, make me a cake first. Have you ever held back from blessing somebody because you looked at what you had? And at the same time, I'm dancing and shouting for a breakthrough because I'm looking at what I got. God keeps sending people your way with your little bit and you so focused on your little bit that you can't see what God is putting before your face. You've got to be willing to put the needs of others first before you. Now, I'm not telling you to act stupid and go sell everything you got and, and, and do all that stuff. But what I am saying is you've got to be spiritually aware. You've got to be keen enough to identify when God is putting an opportunity before you. So that when God sends that person to you, you don't act funny. You don't, your neck don't do that funny twist. You, you, not, you don't grumble. You don't murmur. You don't complain. But you keep your mouth shut. Huh? You don't call nobody and say, you won't believe what they asked me to do. No, you keep your mouth shut. But what you do is you begin to speak. You begin to speak God's word because you understand that God has placed an opportunity and you know so you know that there's a harvest that's going to come from, from your sowing. Even with this little bit, God is going to do something. A consumer considers their position first. But a producer has a natural tendency to be available for others. In science, there are consumers and there are producers. Animals are consumers. The only producer is a plant. Because a plant is the only living organism that uses resources to feed itself. A plant uses sunlight and water. It uses energy to feed itself. But at the same time, it understands its position as a producer because it is feeding itself so it can feed others. It is feeding itself because it feeds others. 
A consumer considers their position first. A producer considers, has a natural tendency to consider the position of others. Which one puts you in a more favorable position with God? Which one puts you in a more favorable position with God? Is it one who is concerned about himself or one who is concerned about others? And the last thing is find the miracle in the small things and rule it well. Find the miracle in the small things and rule it well. The Bible says if you're faithful over a few things, God said, I'll make you ruler over many. God did not tell Elijah that the woman's barrel was going to increase exponentially. Elijah didn't tell the woman that if you make me a cake, when you get up in the morning, there's going to be a barn in the back of your house, and it's going to have 17 levels of barrels of flour, and it's going to be 35 barrels on each level. God didn't tell her that. Elijah didn't tell her that. But Elijah said, as long as you go to it, something's going to be there. As long as you go to it, something's going to be there until the Lord brought rain. We spend so much time looking for the big thing. We need to stop and pay attention to the small things. Because the seed that God is providing is not in the big thing, it's in the small thing. And how you manage that small thing determines whether or not you're a producer or a consumer. Let's make that transition from a consumer to a producer and manage the small thing manage a small thing. Don't eat it up. Don't spend it. But make sure you can sow it. Make sure there's something to sow. And if you do that, as long as you go back to the small thing, there's going to be something there. And every, if every time you go back, there's something there, then you find yourself always sowing. And Elder, there's a law that God has called the law of sowing and reaping, the law of the harvest. You cannot continue to sow and not reap. You cannot continue to sow and not reap. You cannot continue to sow and not reap. So if you're in a season of drought, the Lord is going to send the rain. He's going to send the rain because that's what Elijah told the woman. As long as you go back to this small thing, it's going to be there until the Lord sends the rain. So if I'm sowing in drought, huh? I'm reaping in the rainy season. 
If I'm sowing in drought, I'm reaping in a rainy season. Let's stand to our feet.